We live in a confused and busy world. We live with the illusion of control. We live in a culture that tears us away from our God-given spiritual roots. And yet, deep down, we long for spiritual growth. Jesus has the answer. In John 15, Jesus invites us to remain with him, to abide with him, to make our home with him. If we do, we will bear the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. But how do we make our home with Jesus? It may seem mysterious or difficult or abstract. Here at New Hope, we believe that God has given us everything we need so that we can remain with Jesus. This teaching series will explain how we are developing into a community that is centered around three gifts. Jesus gave us His Word. Jesus gave us the Spirit, and Jesus gave us the sacraments. As we partake of these gifts, we experience true abiding with Jesus, which postures us to bear fruit. Jesus said, Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Today, we begin a three-part series called Abide, Abide in the Word, Scriptures, Abide in the Spirit, and the Sacraments. We all stand together. We're going to read our Scriptures as is our habit. You'll notice a brief pause in today's Scriptures. The early disciples of Jesus had just heard Jesus give some teachings that were hard for them to understand or to accept. And as a result, many deserted him. Jesus turned and, let's read together. So Jesus asked the twelve, do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know you are the Holy One of God. Peter's answer there is ours as a church. Jesus has the words of life and life in the full, as it says in John 10. Although the way of Jesus is often counter to our culture, he indeed is the way, 
the truth, and the life. Later on, Jesus teaches them further and responds. And let's read this together. Go, abide in me as I abide in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. This is the gospel of the Lord. You can be seated. Not one of us can go it alone. When I was growing up, being on a team pushed me to do things that I could not otherwise do alone. And you might relate to this. When I was 15 years old, before my sophomore season of basketball, I decided about three weeks in advance, I'm going to go early in the morning uh, before school starts, and I'm going to start running line drills so I can be in shape. And so at 6 a.m., after <laughs> at 6 a.m., the janitor would open the school, and I would go in to the gym, and I had it by myself, and I had my basketball shoes on, and I got to the line, and I had a wristwatch on, and I was going to do line drills in 30 seconds or under, which is a bit of a stretch for me. Anybody remember doing line drills, 30 seconds or less? Yep, yep, those are not pleasant memories. <laughs> and so I did the first one. And I remember coming across the finish line at just over 30 seconds, not as fast as I was going to need it for the upcoming basketball practices. And I remember the cold morning air like cutting through my lungs and panting and thinking, I have told myself I'm going to do five more of these. I think I did two more. I was going to do it every day before school until basketball season started. I think I did three more days. (laughs) I decided to wait until the rest of the team would join me. And we could suffer together. And we did. And I didn't quit then. I was encouraged and held accountable by doing it with others, by doing it together. Let's say that word, together. Paul says that uh, we as Christians are to train like an athlete. And I would suggest to you and submit to you that the best training is done together. But doing anything together, well, it's actually countercultural meaning that it requires intention and purpose and effort against the grain of our culture because our culture is not about togetherness but about individuals. Anybody notice that following Jesus can be hard? Anybody? Yeah? Well, it was hard for early disciples too. They gave up at times. We've just read Peter saying, Oh, where else would we go, Lord? We'll follow you. You have the words of eternal life. But you might know the story later. He later denied Jesus at Jesus' hour of need. Some of our struggle is that we try to do everything alone. Um, We live in a society that puts the burden of life on your shoulders as an individual. The word that describes this uh, best is uh, individualistic. Everybody say that. 
very good. Several syllables and you did it. Yeah. This is our culture. This is our culture that it's prone towards the individual. Now, one, one way to think about culture, like when you use that word, um, what culture, what is it? It's the stuff that is true about a society without being said. Most of it is without being said. It's just the way that people think. It's the way things are oriented towards. It's the stuff under the surface that is enculturating you to think or to be a certain way. Culture, the word, is related to the word cultivate. It is like the soil and conditions that you grow in. And so as we're talking about our culture being individualistic, this is the soil that you have been planted in and have grown in. And the conditions of our culture either forms us well or it is soil that actually doesn't have some of the nutrients that we need and will deform us. Our culture, the soil that we're all planted into, deforms us to see ourselves as an individual primarily um, and secondarily a part of a community or a collective together. And this is a way that we are being deformed. Um, some examples. So like our heroes tend to reinforce our cultural ideas. Some images came to my mind. Who is this? That's John Wayne right there. I was going to try to do an impression. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> John Wayne, think about like kind of the isolated, a bit emotionless guy that's doing it on his own, that has the power to do it on his own. John Wayne, a hero in our culture of sorts, that's an evidence of what it is that we value. Um, another thought came to mind. We have a bunch of, ah, who are these up here? A bunch of presidents. Okay. Now, can you name the four that are on Mount Rushmore? Mumbles. Sort of. Sort of. Maybe. Kind of. Sort of. Maybe. All right. We have Teddy Roosevelt. George Washington. Abraham Lincoln. Who's the fourth? Thomas Jefferson. Good job. Interesting. Probably more pivotal to our American way of life was these people's cabinets than them as individuals. But we focus on the heroic individual. We look towards the individual. We want to know the, the who, the one leader that's behind it. Not all places in the world think this way. Not all cultures of all time have thought that way. But it's just an example for you that we tend to. Who's the most important? It's, it's the, the president, it seems to be. Or the premier players from team sports. Next one here. There's a big debate going on in our culture about who is the greatest of all time. That's what GOAT stands for. I don't mean to weight your opinion. Now, what I, <laughs> all right, guys, Michael Jordan is clearly the greatest of all time. I mean, just thank you. 
That's my son. He's talking trash to me from over there. He's heckling. He's heckling. Now, what I find interesting, there's far less conversation about the greatest teams of all time. These guys win championships because they're on a team. But we're really focused on the heroic individual. That's the individual is what we see. The indi- we, we tend to think of ourselves as like on the heroic epic of our own lives. We tend to think of ourselves as being kind of, the, we don't mean to, but we tend to think of ourselves as the centerpiece of the story. It's because your culture is constantly reinforcing that to you. We esteem the individual. We think individualistically. Well, the opposite of individualistic is collectivist. Don't be threatened by that word. I didn't say communism. You know, some of you are immediately hearing that. Just, that's not even what I'm talking about. Just the word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's probably good. Yeah. Collectivist means a culture that tends to think about the individual as a part of the whole. In a collectivist culture, the individual serves the whole. But in an individualistic culture, the whole serves the individual. And we live in a way in which the world is about serving each one of us. Now, there are many um, wonderful things about our culture. Um, But one of the things that is good for us as we approach the scriptures, all the cultures in which the scriptures are written in and all the cultures that the scriptures are written in, Two were collectivist cultures, were cultures that thought about community as being the most important thing. And so in the scriptures, there are many things that are not said or unsaid or not directly addressed because they're presumed within that culture of already being true. When we read them with individualistic eyes, we might miss things. When the individual is the focus of the community, the power of the community can be lost. And while the community of the individual may proclaim, the community like, this is our, this is, like, you can do it. You can be anything that you want. Go for it. The underlying assumption is, go for it on your own. But you cannot. We need to do it together. Let's say that word, Together. This series will attempt to highlight for you the need for us to abide with Jesus together. While not all of our togetherness as a church community happens on Sunday mornings, I am going to emphasize the gift that God has given us in constructing a regular time for the community to be together. Today, the community around the word the scriptures. Yes, there is an individual application of you knowing the scriptures. But the community together is where I want to draw your attention and maybe alleviate some of your feelings about the scriptures. Because as you go home on your own and you're wading through the, the scriptures, which can be confusing, which can be difficult, God never presumed or assumed that every one of us would be able to understand it on our own, but rather in the life of the community is where we can abide in the scriptures together. 
During Jesus' last days before his crucifixion, Jesus shared a lot with his disciples. We see this in John 14, 15, 16, and 17. And at the beginning of John 15, Jesus says this. We read a part of these verses. Here's some more context. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch that bears no, in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. Speaking to the disciples, you have already been cleansed by the word I have spoken to you. And then he says, abide in me. Abide is like remain or make your home in me. It's related to the word abode, you know, home. Abide in me as I make my home with you, Jesus says. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, Jesus presents to his disciples, you know, this is his last days. And he knows this is his last days. His disciples know something is up. Jesus is starting to talk about some things like, I'm going to go away. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And they're like, I don't, we don't want you to die. But they kind of heard Jesus talking about it. It's a very confusing time. And in this, he inserts a metaphor to help them. It is an agricultural metaphor, one that they would have been familiar with. It is the picture of growing grapes. Growing grapes, which ultimately result in fruit that you can eat directly or that they could make wine from. We want fruit. <laughs> together, together, when we abide, remain, and stay with Jesus, together, what again? Together. together we will bear fruit together. Here's the fruit of the Spirit that Paul later talks about in Galatians 5. Let's read this out loud. Ready? Go. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. I'd like you to think about the fruit that comes from being connected to Jesus cannot be experienced on your own. It can only be experienced in the context of relationship. You don't need peace and patience and kindness or faithfulness or gentleness or self-control without other people. You can only experience that fruit in the context of community. And I would further that and say it is only in the community that you can learn and grow and be connected to Jesus adequately to express that fruit. It is not on you as an individual to get it all together and get it right. But rather, it is on us to be together around the scriptures. And through that, we grow and learn. I just want to make two observations about John 15 here to help us think about this. The first is this. Jesus is addressing the disciples as a community, not as individuals. Recall that most of what a culture is, is unsaid. Jesus is addressing all of the disciples. He is addressing them as a community, not as individuals. When he says to them, abide in me, it implies community, not just individuals. Culturally, they lived collectively. They heard his words, like when we read it, we're like, he's talking to me, that I need to remain in him. When they heard his words, just culturally, in terms of they, they felt the togetherness, they understood that they are an interconnected bunch together, that he's speaking to them collectively. 
the scriptures come alive uh, in community. We get a glimpse of the early community in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. This is Luke describing the early church. This is after Jesus. He died. He resurrected. He ascended. The Holy Spirit was given. The church was birthed. The church is this community of Jesus' followers. And verse 42 of chapter 2 says this. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. The leaders of the church, or the apostles, as that's the leaders of the church, they were teaching the scriptures and they gathered to hear them. The idea of them taking the scriptures into a place in their home where they would shut out all the noise and then they would just read the scriptures would have been totally foreign. One, they didn't have the access to scriptures like we do. I am not suggesting that going quietly and reading the scriptures is not appropriate, but when they read the scriptures, it was always in community. Yes, that's an amen. He is teaching the rest of you what to say when I say something that is good. Some people say amen, and others say, I die, I die. And I will receive any of those. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> the scriptures really do come alive in community. When we read them together, when the scriptures are preached, when they're explained. Now here's a here's a bit of an appeal to you. I've been pastor here for six years. I pastor for five and a half years in Cottage Grove before, and I you know, I, I know, I know the flock. There's a lot of good preaching on the internet, YouTube, etc. There's also a lot of trash. And it's hard to know the difference. It is hard to know the difference. So here's my suggestion. Prioritize listening to pastors and preachers who are accountable to you and to whom you are accountable. That is the best way that we can know and stay in an environment in which we know if we are being misled or appropriately led. If, for example, if one of the members of our teaching team here, you've noticed that we teach as a team, it's not just the Isaac Hovitz show, but rather it's Jesus speaking through many of us here. There's a and if one of them were to speak wrongly, you as a congregation member can ask her or him for some clarification. Right? Like if you're like, I don't know. And, and by the way, I've had many good conversations with some of you over the years of clarifying something that was said. Somebody on YouTube? You can't do that. Some far off pastor that might even be like, really muscular and good-looking? <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? And feel like, he must know. But if he were to mislead you, how would you know? And what could you do about it? He has no accountability to you and you to him. Conversely, if I say something to you 
and I sense that you are misunderstanding and then like living wrongly as a result of that, I can come to you and say, I think you've misunderstood. And we can have in community a clarifying conversation in which the scriptures come alive. Now, I want to encourage you in this because this is the soil that we are living in. And we are, it's almost like assumed that you as an individual can sort all that out. But rather you're called to be a part of a community in which you can do it with others. But technology and other means have given us the opportunity to be led astray. And we don't even know that we are. The scriptures are created to live in community. I don't know that any of the New Hope preachers are destined for TED Talks or international preaching tours or acclaim. But I do believe that those among us are the gifts that God has given to us, the church. And within the church is everything that we need because it's really about Jesus together. Are you following me? Okay. You've noticed that we begin to read the scriptures as a community. Over the last year, about a year ago, we started doing this. At the front end of every message, we read the scriptures together. because There's something coming alive within us. Okay, number two, the second point, and then we'll bring it home. Jesus says that he is the main trunk. <laughs> he is the main, he's... He is, the, <laughs> uh, he is the, the vine, and we are the branches of the vine. We spent all summer talking out of the Jesus Storybook Bible how the scriptures point to Jesus. Do you guys remember the tagline of the series? Every story whispers his name. Every story whispers his name. The scriptures are about Jesus. The scriptures read and taught in the community, they reconnect us to Jesus. After his resurrection, Luke tells us that Jesus walked with two men who didn't understand that the scriptures all pointed to Jesus. And that little community of three that exists right there, they didn't really realize it was Jesus. They're walking along and he's listening. He's like incognito. It's the road to Emmaus, you know. It's a really fascinating story. He's listening. And then, then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted them uh, uh, to them the things about himself and all the scriptures. Jesus connected the dots for them. He said he connected that he is the source. He is the beginning. He is the end. He is Savior, and he is Lord, that the scriptures are all about himself. Every day we are, competing, we are bombarded with competing voices, but we must learn to hear the voice of the good shepherd, to be familiar with the scriptures within community so that we might know his voice. The scriptures in community familiarize us with the voice of God. And when we are saturated with the scriptures, we get to know Jesus' voice. If I want to get my family's attention, I whistle. Now, listen, it is a five-note whistle that I have been doing since I dated Danya. Uh-uh. There it is. That's my son. Let's know this is the second time he's corrected me in the message. 
No. No. This is community right here. That's right. This is what we're talking about right here. Now, ironically, none of them can whistle back to me. Isn't that funny? <laughs> Have you noticed that fewer people are whistling? Everybody used to whistle. Can you whistle? Everybody whistle right now. Oh, this is, I should do this every week. If you are below the age of 25 and you can whistle, stand up. All right. Let's hear the 25-year-olds whistling. There we go. All right. Oh, look, some whistling at the, okay. All right. I don't know what kind of church we are, but. <laughs> but for my family, the whistle that I give is particular, it's familiar, it's immediately known, and they'll say, Dad? They'll be looking for, like in a store, Dad? They know that I'm looking for them. When we in community read the scriptures, when we hear the scriptures, when we listen to Jesus-focused preaching, our spiritual ears and spiritual eyes become attuned to Christ, the living word. We get a sense of when he is calling. We get a sense of what he wants to say and what his heart and what his posture and what his attitude towards us is. Similarly, when other masters in our culture demand our attention, the familiarity of the spirit of Jesus, if it's not there, our hearts are alerted of stranger danger. Like, oh, that's not my shepherd. That's not the voice of the shepherd. It's in community that we learn this voice. When we stay connected with, to Jesus through the word, and as I'm emphasizing, particularly in community, we learn to distinguish between what Jesus is like and what he's not. What our Lord is saying and what he wouldn't say. All right, two things that I want to encourage you with. First of all, our community is strengthened when we habitually hear the word in community. I, I, just, I invite you to set a goal to be at Sunday church gatherings three Sundays a month. Some of you, that's like no problem. You're never gone, and that's awesome. Others of you, oh, that's going to be a little bit of like, yeah, I think if I'm honest, it's, it's maybe once every six weeks, and I'm actually in community. And uh, there's no shame. But what I want to say is in community is where we're strengthened primarily through the scriptures and through the word. This is a great gift that God has given us. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. Others of you can make baby noises, you know. And <laughs> Mr. Prowl says amen. The second thing. Um, in your worship guide, in your handout, there is a a bifold that is called abide. Looks like this, I think one on the screen here. Yeah. Looks like that. If you didn't get one, yeah, hold it up if you got it. Yeah. There are more on the way out. You can grab that and take it with you. That is a resource for you. I created a Bible reading plan for you this fall. 72 days, it'll take you right to December 20th. I think it'll take you 15 or 20 minutes a day to read, and then if you journal along with it, a bit more. But in this reading plan, over the next 72 days, you'll read through John and Acts and Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Hebrews, 1 John, nearly half the Psalms, and you'll go through the book of Proverbs twice. That'll work. 
That's good. It's a lot of good stuff there. I encourage you, as we're talking about community, let's read the scriptures together. Like we're all kind of reading the same things. And I know some of you are on like a year-long plan and, and what I'm doing is inviting you to interrupt that. But it'd be kind of fun to see what God would speak to us as we're reading the same things together. There are prompts on the back side of what to look for. If you're new to reading the scriptures, the, a lot of what I have selected for you, I, I think you'll be able to understand and follow a, a lot of it. And um, those prompts in the back will help you to just have some questions in terms of engaging and understanding and, and then applying God's word to your life. And finally, if you follow me on Facebook, I've been doing this um, recently, um, but I'll be posting regular devotional thoughts on most of the days from those scriptures. And so I um, encourage you to um, take a look at that and see what God is speaking to me and maybe offer some clarification for some tricky things. But anyway, it's an attempt to do some of this together. And we're going to um, see what happens. Sound good? Yeah. Okay. Amen. Well, to close, I, lo- I wrote a small poem for you. Look at the waves and you'll waver. Look at the sea and you'll sink. Look at the wind and be blown. Look at the sun and be blinded. Look at the rocks and be wrecked. Look at the fallen and fall too. Look behind and regret. Look to the side and envy. Look down and despair. Look to the bright morning star. Look to the Son of Man. Look to the Lord of all. Look to the Prince of Peace. Look to Emmanuel. Look to the Messiah. Look to our teacher. Look to our Savior. Look to our healer. Look. He approaches Jesus Christ, the soon and coming King. The scriptures and community help us in the storms of life, the ups and downs of life, and the dramas of life that we all experience. They help us to keep our head looking at that bright morning star, Jesus Christ. And even as the storm rages, our hearts can be settled because our hearts are pointed towards him as who's the beginning, who's the end who is our savior, who is the one that is with us, who is the one that can attend to every need that comes into our lives, the one who carries our burdens, the one who gives us rest, the one who equips us with calling and purpose and life. It is Jesus Christ. On the wall here, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will hold you in his arms. He will guide your life. He asks for us to stay connected so that we constantly and over again receive his encouragement and life, and then life is produced within us.